Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. I am thrilled to be speaking with Dr. Noelle Patnow. Uh, let me give you her background, and we're going to jump right into what will undoubtedly be a very useful and interesting conversation. Uh, so Noelle received her PhD in molecular metabolism and nutrition from University of Chicago, uh, investigating bacterial stress in intestinal organoids that modeled inflammatory bowel disease. She began her career at Abbott Labs after graduating as a chemical engineer from Stanford with honors and distinction. Her experience in the pharmaceutical and medical device manufacturing world spanned R&D, supply chain, project management, supervision, and international technology transfer. Uh, previously as therapeutic platform lead at Metagenics, Dr. Patna researched new ingredients, designed and monitored clinical trials, and developed educational content related to digestive, microbiome, and immune health. She speaks to me today as an independent contractor for Metagenics. Dr. Patna, welcome to New Frontiers. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. What a what a cool background. I mean, it's just you have a lot of experience in. Um, you know, different vantage points in medicine and science over your, uh, your, your career. Yes, it's been an interesting ride, pharmaceutics, biomedical devices, nutritional therapies, probiotics. Yeah. yeah, and an interesting, you know, PhD focus. Um, okay, so we're, we're putting our attention on probiotics, and it's pretty neat that we're continuing conversation, actually. We once started some years ago. You and I have, have talked probiotics previously. Um, and I know that you have a really nice command of the science, so I'm going to lean into that today. I'm really, I, I just really want to kind of farm whatever we can from you and your, uh, you know, your extensive knowledge in the literature. What do we know about using specific probiotics for different health conditions? Well, first of all, just not all of them have been studied for every health condition. So we need to know which of these live microorganisms have conferred a health benefit on the host in the different categories. And it was really the meta-analysis in 2018 from Lynn McFarland and her co-authors that proved that probiotics are effective if and only if you're actually using that specific strain and that specific disease. So just like we have vitamins that have different functionalities, vitamin A, B, et cetera, and then we have vitamin B6 being different from B12, we have lactobacillus acidophilus and CFM different from lactobacillus acidophilus LA14. And so just to, let me just uh, hold that thought, just put a pin in it, because I want to I wanna hear what you have to say. But first of all, I just want to say McFarlane is her, I think her and her husband, right? Their husband and wife team, and they're just brilliant scientists for many decades in this, in this field. Back, they started doing culture, and, and now, of course, they're well into PCR and just really doing extraordinary work and teasing out what we need to know. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Noelle, and, you know, clarify um, the standby approach of let me throw a broad spectrum probiotic at patient X may not be the smartest way. And in fact, we need to be prescribing condition-based. Is that true? Well, how do you know that that broad spectrum probiotic is having a benefit unless it's actually been tested and demonstrated to have benefit? Yeah. So there are combinations of probiotics that have shown benefits but is that the combination that you're taking is the question. For, the, for a given indication, right. For exactly. the indication, like what is it that you want that probiotic to do is the question. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's circle back. So I think basically you're telling me that we need to be we need to be really paying attention to the literature on probiotics and prescribing according to what's been demonstrated versus just hitting all of our patients with the same sort of broad spectrum, you know, formula. Yes. And isn't that what personalized medicine is partially about? Yeah, a hundred percent. But I will say mm-hmm. that, you know, there was a time when we didn't have this kind of precision information. Correct. And, 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 you know, I appreciate that once again, Metagenics is sort of at the front, you know, and you guys are investing in researching interventions and paying attention to the literature as you always have been. And it's, I'd, I'd like to be able to talk about that because I just appreciate how science forward uh, Metagenics is. Okay. So I kind of cut you off mid-sentence. Do you remember where you were? Do you want to? Do you want to finish talking about? <laughs> oh no problem. The... Yeah. I just wanted to give a few examples. Yeah. Uh, one of the examples that I like to look at is in IBS, for example. So L plantarum MF one two nine eight was actually studied in IBS and shown not to have a benefit, and the IBS score actually went up in that probiotic group versus their placebo-controlled group. A different study, different study design. So I think we need to be cautionary about that, right? These two probiotics were not tested in the same study, but it's a similar kind of probiotic. It was still an L plantarum, but 299V mm-hmm. is the alphanumeric strain identifier. And the 299V showed a benefit for IBS and not just one trial, multiple trials. So it's actually recognized by the World Gastroenterology Organization for, for that benefit and IBS That's- for abdominal pain. Okay. That's helpful. So not all lactobacillus plantarum are alike. And that if you're going, if you're addressing IBS, you want to be strain specific. Yes. Or you might make it worse, actually. Yeah, that's one example. And then Uh if you look at E. coli, which we just always think of as a pathogen, people don't always know that Escherichia coli Nisal 1917 is considered a probiotic. And then the pathogenic um, one with the, the strain designator is the 0157 colon H7, which causes the diarrhea. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation there where we really have to be specific about what probiotic it is. Are we able to access in this country the um, probiotic E. coli? E. coli Nisal 1917? I haven't seen it here. Yeah. Okay. So I know we're aware of its benefit in the clinic, but I also know that it's been difficult. Well, you guys need to go and get uh bring it into the u.s if you can all right so today we're going to focus on um women's health and the vaginal microbiome today so you know just talk to me about that like give me a little bit of snapshot of of you know the vaginal microbiome and 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 why we need to be tending to it well it's really amazing that the vaginal microbiome has been associated with with not just women's health, but also the babies that they deliver. And as far as women's health, we'll focus on that. The vaginal environment is actually associated with even her ability to conceive a child, um, carry that child to birth. So we're looking at sometimes miscarriage associations with um, the, the vaginal microbiota actually. So uh, lower lactobacilli in the vaginal microbiota has actually been associated with risk of miscarriage later oh. in the pregnancy. In and, gen- and, and lactobacillus in general as a genus. Yes. Um, but I have to um, put a caution there, though, because it's even though a lot of the literature suggests that the healthy vaginal microbiota is lactobacilli dominant, mm-hmm. um, there are 
there's more research coming out to understand the different species and then even the different strains of those species that could be beneficial versus not as beneficial as we thought, right? And then on top of that, there have been some differences associated with race and geography. So there have been um, different groups that seem to have healthy, healthy vaginal um, microbiota, but or vaginal microbiota that's associated with health, mm -hmm. but not necessarily lactobacilli dominant. Okay. So it Got is it. a little bit complicated, but f the majority seems to suggest that lactobacilli dominant vaginal microbiota is more associated with health. Okay. Okay. Um, so what, I mean, I know that there are probiotics. I mean, any of anybody in functional medicine working with women, you know, we see UTIs and, you know, interstitial cystitis, bacterial vaginosis. We see, we see all sorts of stuff. And so we're using probiotics, um, hoping for the best, right? There are uh, more women-specific products out there. Um, what, what, what probiotics help? I mean, what do you know from the literature? What's really been identified as being beneficial to the vaginal microbiome in general? Um, and then we can talk specifically about, you know, different indications. Yes, I think one of the greatest um, pieces that I saw recently was just last year, 2021, um, there was a review published on Lactobacillus rhamnosus GR1 as mm -hmm. the most well-researched for women's health in particular as a probiotic. And the um, independent group, AE ProBio, with their clinical guide for probiotics, has demonstrated with their criteria, the highest level of evidence that they've seen for probiotic would be that combination of L-Rhamnosis GR1 with L-Ruteri RC14 as the combination of probiotics that has been demonstrated to help with bacterial vaginosis and vulvovaginal candidiasis. That's, that's what they show, and there are multiple studies that corroborate that. So I think that that combination is really the one that stands out for bacterial vaginosis and vulvovaginal candidiasis. Let me just ask you about, you know, vaginal um, microbiome health in general. So mm -hmm. I, I, these, the, what you've just said is incredibly important, and I'm going to circle back to it in a second because I know that everybody's taking notes right now and they want to know, you know, where they can get it or, um, you know, they want to be using those products. And by the way, folks, we will gather everything that all the papers um, that Dr. Patno is mentioning, and we will put them into show notes so that you can access her references. Um, but would you recommend these though as maintenance probiotics, as, 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 as preventative? Or, I mean, would you lean into diet more? Or like, how would you think about just maintaining a healthy flora? Well, there are many factors that do impact the vaginal microbiota everything from diet to smoking and hygiene. So mm -hmm. of course, all of those lifestyle practices are important, um, especially sexual practices, obviously. However, as far as talking about supplements like probiotics, if mm -hmm. we're thinking about um, population of women who have bacterial vaginosis or population of women who have vulvovaginal candidiasis. Which is actually really research. pretty high. But yes, ahead. it's it's kind of surprisingly high if we you want to talk about the prevalence and um, 
we can talk about that later, but just in terms of treatment versus prevention was your question. So these studies showed the treatment was beneficial, right? So they took, um, they re specifically recruited women who had bacterial vaginosis or women who had vulvovaginal candidiasis, or basically women who had lower lactobacilli as defined by the Nugent scores that were used to measure that. And then by shifting the microbiota with the GR1 RC14 combination, they showed that beneficial resolution of bacterial vaginosis. So it was a really a treatment perspective there. And how did they prescribe it in that study? So there were 2 billion CFU of the combination GR1 and RC14 for um, bacterial vaginosis. Just given They're, daily? Administered once Given daily. daily, yes. Okay, and orally? Yes, orally. Any research on intravaginal delivery? In the past, there were multiple studies with vaginal suppositories for this combination, uh -huh. but the preference has become oral. It was back in 2001, showing the first oral study, a pilot study of just about 10 women. And because they were able to demonstrate the recovery of lactobacilli in the vagina, that success then sparked more clinical studies, both the probiotics by themselves, as well as um, probiotics in combination with antibiotics, and not just uh, bacterial vaginosis, or vulvovaginal candidiasis, but other conditions as well. Okay, I wanna to get to the other conditions and, and you know when they're used with pharma, I wanna talk a little bit about that, but so I wanna just get back to the oral versus vaginal delivery. This, the research in, in, in your opinion is as strong using oral delivery versus vaginal delivery, would you say that? Yes, definitely, okay. um, but awesome. oral, yes. Awesome. Good. Yeah, I'm sure women would rather be taking an oral <laughs> probiotic and than, than vaginal delivery, which can be a little bit onerous. Yes. Um, okay. So then let's circle back to uh, treatment. Uh, in most of these cases, it's just delivered one cap daily and then with and without medication. Can you kind of tease that out? Yes. So for, uh, I'll talk about just two of the antibiotic studies that were done with the GR1 RC14 combination. In both of these studies, they, that there's actually a double dose. So they took the 2 billion CFU combination of GR1 RC14 per capsule twice a day. And they also took antibiotics at the same time. Oh, they so did. Okay. They took antibiotics and probiotics the same day. In wow. one study, the probiotics were taken at least one hour after the antibiotic, but for the other study, it didn't really specify a time difference. And in both cases, um, these were different types of antibiotics. There was also an in vitro study I want to point out that these two bacteria are actually having natural antibiotic resistance to multiple types of antibiotics. And just a few of them are metronidazole, which is a very common antibiotic used in bacterial vaginosis, and then vancomycin and trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. Wow. Methoxazole. So multiple antibiotics, they have that natural antibiotic resistance. And so I, I guess that's why you would say there's probably less of a concern of taking it at the same time. But for a concern, yeah. if somebody had one, at least one hour after the antibiotic was that study design. And like I said, they doubled that's the not, dose. That's not long after, you know, waiting just no, an hour. No, it's not. So it was probably still exposed to the antibiotic. 
Yes. And um, so the, the natural antibiotic resistance is important. And yeah. then just by comparison for an antibiotic associated diarrhea study in which um, antibiotics and um, probiotics were taken at the same day, mm-hmm. there was a two hour separation of antibiotics and, and probiotics for the antibiotic associated diarrhea study that I can think of, which was a four strain combination. And did that, and it was effective? That was effective for sure. That reduced the antibiotic associated diarrhea. It reduced Clostridium difficile dissociated diarrhea. It amazing. reduced, it was amazing too. Yeah. What are the strains? That combination is um, Lactobacillus astolphus NCFM, Bifidobacterium lactis BIO7, Bifidobacterium lactis BLO4, and Lactobacillus paracasei LP30, LPC37. <laughs> I'm so impressed with your ability. I'm watching, we're on Zoom, so I can actually see Noelle and she's pulling all of this off the top of her head and I am really impressed. <laughs> um, uh, this is such a good information. So the, so so A, it worked in antibiotic associated diarrhea, which is, you know, painfully common uh, occurrence. And B, it's evident, you know, they, they did divide, they had a, a, a bigger time um, difference for that particular protocol, but still, you know, just two hours. Um, all right. So it's, so, 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 and, and also we'll make sure folks that we get information on that, that paper, um, so that you have it since, since we're talking about women's health and we've just sort of ste- stepped over to, to bacteria, um, antibiotic associated diarrhea. So we sort of went off, off our path here, but I'll, I'll just make sure you have that information because it's it's so useful. Um, okay, so BV, UTIs, um, vulvovaginal candidiasis, uh, sometimes with medication, some, sometimes with antifungals, sometimes without. Um, how effective how effective are these strains without you know accompanying pharma intervention? Right. So without antibiotics, there was a very large double-blinded randomized controlled trial. And I will refer to some notes so I can get those numbers for you. Yeah, no, so not no everything's off the top this, of my head. Yes, this is BV. We're talking BV here. Obviously. I'm talking BV. Um, yeah. Technically, this one was what they called vaginal infection, which would include BV. Um, they had the, like I said, the double-blind randomized controlled trial. They had 544 adult women with vaginal infection. Um, it was six weeks. This was a multi-center trial. And they had the 1 billion CFU of each strain. So that's, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 billion CFU of the combination, which is the typical yep. dose. And this was without antibiotics, like you said, uh, 61.5% of those taking antibiot- uh, the sorry, the probiotics had the normal balanced vaginal microbiota at the end of the six weeks, while only about 27% of the placebo group had normal vaginal microbiota. So it's a massive difference and a pretty big success story for just the probiotics alone. Right. And just once a day. Yes. Yeah. Once a day. And only a single cap. Yes. I mean, and only just... 2 billion CFU of the combination. Yeah. Sometimes people just think you have to take tons and tons of probiotics yes of so many different types but look at the efficacy of this combination at two billion do you well in your read on the literature if do you think that the outcome could have been improved with two caps or or two caps at once or one cap twice day twice daily 
I mean, what do you think? Can you can you infer? I I can't really infer, but I could hypothesize. Um, yeah, hypothesize. I, I think there is sometimes an upper limit of a beneficial effect. I think we're we're, we're talking about sixty one percent having normal vaginal microbiota. And if I think about how effective antibiotics are, I mean, they would actually be 60% or, or less effective. So I don't know if we really could go above that threshold. Maybe you could. When I think about the, um, the antibiotic and probiotic studies that were done together, um, that it, it's higher than the 61 percent if i look at yeah okay, tell me 75 percent were normal in the probiotic group after f just four weeks of treatment so wow. this was a double dose of probiotics but with the antibiotics at the same time so it's possible maybe you could get up to 75 percent maybe you could even <clears throat> excuse me get up to 88 percent which was the um four weeks two capsules um, of the probiotic with the antibiotics. Well, so it, it's possible, but I'm, I'm not sure that we'd ever get up to hundred percent, but maybe sure. that 60 to 88% range seems pretty normal. It's already reasonable. performing on par with antibiotics alone. So the probiotic alone at 61% is on par with an antibiotic alone study. And then you can put them together and increase efficacy, you know, considerably up to 88%. That's so cool. And I guess it just makes me think as a functional medicine uh, and naturopathic physician that, you know, what if we added botanicals? You know, what if we used like, you know, candibactin ARBR concurrently or, you know, many of the other tools at our disposal, what outcome we might see? And I, I'm sure clinicians listening would be are nodding their heads saying, yes, we know we could do this. And yes, you know, we, we could probably see better outcome. Well, these are, this is great. I mean, it's just really nice to hear, you know, the power of these specific strains. Um, let me see what else I want to, I want to talk to you about. Um, did they have any, any, any kind of side effects noted or any safety issues with these? Well, probiotics, especially of the lactobacillus genus, are generally, th these are generally recognized as safe. And in these studies, the probiotic arms showed actually fewer adverse events than the antibiotic, um, or they, were, they just weren't significantly different. And typically with antibiotics, there are more side effects, as you For know. Sure. I mean, you can have diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, um, well, and yeast infection, you know, follow up yes. with it. <laughs> it's like those drugs that just give you the same problem back that you're treating. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so they're safe. Not a lot of side effects reported. Um, I, and are, the, the, the duration, it seems like you're talking, I think the, in the studies you've talked about are four, four weeks to six weeks. Did you mention an eight-week study also? No? no, the ones I mentioned were four weeks four six. and six weeks. Okay, go ahead. However, like there, I will mention that the first pilot study back in 2001, there were six women with asymptomatic bacterial vaginosis and sort of intermediate vaginal microbiota um, imbalance. They resolved to their healthy vaginal score in just one week. So that's just a small sample size before these larger randomized trials suggesting that there could be an earlier benefit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm got, again, with my own 
clinical hat on uh, using some botanicals. And of course, if we change diet, if we change lifestyle, if we look at, you know, hygiene practices and you know, use sort of less caustic and toxic um, soaps and so forth and more cotton, et cetera. I mean, it just seems like we have, um, you know, the potential of really turning this around, uh, you know, very effectively. What about dose and duration for BV versus UTIs versus um, candidiasis? Okay, so for candidiasis, that was the same dose with the, as far as the um, antibiotic probiotic complementarity studies, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, they doubled the dose with a um, sort of adjuvant role with the antibiotic treatment. So in one study for 55 women with vulvovaginal candidiasis, um, they were positive for candida, they were itching, burning, etc. They took fluconazole in the morning and then they had either two placebo capsules or the two probiotic capsules and they were treated for four weeks. So that's kind of a similar site to design to what I told you with the antibiotic probiotic complementarity for the bacterial vaginosis study. And um, the resolution was also much better for using the probiotic supporting the antifungal therapy. There was much lower presence of yeast. It was like 10% for the placebo group versus 39%. Um, I mean, sorry, I reversed that. 10% yep. for the probiotic group and then 39% for the placebo group. So um, with the urinary tract infections, that was another question you had. This was a more complicated study because they were looking at recurrent urinary tract infections. So they needed to have a whole year. Wow. And yeah. um, in order to you know, really measure all the urinary tract infections that could be recurrent. Yes. And that was actually, um, so that there was a study with, um, with the probiotics in that case, that was, like I said, the 12 months, they had to measure recurrence over the 12 months. And in that case, I'd, um, just like to look over to my notes for the exact numbers for you. Okay. And the primary outcome I should mention though, this was a double blind study again, and um, placebo controlled, not um, again, double the dose twice daily. They were taking um, the antibiotics at night and the, the probiotics with placebo also at night. Um, for recurrent tra urinary tract infections. And their primary outcome was not actually the recurrent urinary tract infections. It was actually looking at resistance of um, E. coli because, you know, with the antibiotics, yeah. there is the high risk that you're going to have all these antibiotic-resistant organisms. Yes. And so that was actually their first outcome. And it was so much lower with the probiotic usage as you can expect. Right. At baseline, they had about the same amount of antibiotic resistance, but it decreased with the probiotic usage, whereas it basically skyrocketed to 100 percent. Oh, my goodness. After 12 months with the antibiotic usage. So, so chronic UTIs, antibiotics only increased resistance. So basically the UTIs are hanging around after a year of antibiotics. 
versus the probiotic antibiotic group and those results were well in in the i have to mention that the the actual number of utis mm. wasn't that different but it didn't quite get to non-inferiority so it it's but it seems very impressive right at baseline yeah. they reported average number of urinary tract infections 7 and 6.8, so pretty much the same for both groups. But at the end of 12 months, the antibiotic group had um, 2.9 average urinary tract infections, and then the probiotic group had 3.3. So it's very close, but it didn't quite get to non-inferiority. So basically, there was a reduction in UTIs, which was about the same. However, when they looked at resistant strains, they were present in the antibiotic only, whereas they were resolved they were actually worse in the antibiotic only yes. over that year. So basically that's saying you will, in fact, get another UTI. Did they follow them beyond this study, beyond this year? I didn't see another publication after that, but that is really what's most important, what's most interesting. They did follow them three months later to see if the antibiotic resistance decreased. Mm-hmm. And they did see that three months afterward, that 100% antibiotic resistance, after stopping antibiotics for three months, Mm. They that went down to a little over 60%. So it's good to stop antibiotics so that you won't have as many antibiotic resistant organisms from that perspective. Um, But still, the probiotic group was plateauing and and decreasing to like 20% antibiotic resistance, even after three months of not taking the probiotic after. Wow. Okay. That's pretty impressive. Gosh, too bad they didn't track UTIs. You could it would be and or or it would be interesting to look at transitioning just to probiotics and looking at outcome you know maybe long term beyond the year and seeing yeah. if you can resolve it the conclusion of the authors was really that probiotics should be an acceptable alternative for women who don't want to take antibiotics because it's yeah. just so close to to the same efficacy as the antibiotic usage i mean 20, 2.9 to 3.3 it's it's very close but you know statistically right. still not non inferior yeah, it would be nice if they had just a probiotic arm within the study as well, right? Not well. No, no. This was this was just probiotics versus just antibiotics. Oh, okay. That's Jesus. why that's why they were saying it was designed to try to demonstrate non inferiority. Like, is yes. the probiotic group non inferior to the antibiotic group? Okay, jeez, I miss I misunderstood Sorry that. About My that. apologies. Okay, so I thought that they were. I thought the probiotics were improving the antibiotic efficacy um, when given concurrent, and therefore that's why the the resistance was was low. Um, but in fact, they were just doing probiotics again alone. Okay, so so outcome was basically the same antibiotics or probiotics, except uh, and the resistance, the presence of resistance strains over that course of a year dropped significantly within the probiotic group and continued to stay low even after they stopped the probiotics. The incidence of UTIs in both groups was about the same. So it would be interesting to continue to follow both groups and see see what they see. You know, and again, of course, as a functional medicine provider, I'm thinking all of the other things that we normally do. Um, and it just strikes me that, well, you know, in my practice, it just strikes me that we don't need to use antibiotics. And in fact, we shouldn't use antibiotics. And I will say that, you know, the folks that come to me, the women who come to me with, with chronic UTIs have been inundated with antibiotics. And it's, uh, you know, it's rarely an intervention that we're going to choose. 
Yes, and it can just, like you said, set you up for potentially more if you have those, continue to have those antibiotic resistant um, bacteria present. And I, I think it would be great to see a study with the holistic approach that you're talking about because you sure. can push so many more levers than just these single interventions with just yep. um, antibiotics or probiotics or the combination, but with all of those other lifestyle changes that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We just need to be sort of comfortable with wrapping our arms around multimodal studies. We, just, we really, we really, really need to do them. I mean, this, this, what you're sharing today is, is interesting and satisfying, and I'm sure will influence um, how our listeners are, are practicing. Um, but yeah, looking at those multimodal interventions is always, um, is, I think, is an essential step that we have to take. Uh, what about interstitial cystitis? Anything in the literature on IC that you've come across? Interstitial cystitis. Interesting. I actually haven't reviewed that literature, so I, I'm not able to con- comment on that. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we can circle back if you do, because <laughs> that can be a really tricky condition to treat, and it often tracks with UTI. So, um, yeah, I would love to. I'd love to chat with you if you, uh, if and when you 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 would be so inclined. I'd love to hear about it. Um, so, and and my suspicion. So again, just treating both of them together is you know, likely, likely there's a place for these two particular strains in our IC patients. I would just have to say that would be my, my uh, strong hunch as a clinician. Um, You've all, you've talked about how long until benefits are seen. And and in some cases it can be little as a, as a week. Uh, And you also, you know, you talked about this last study where they continue treatment for a full year. Is there sort of a general rule of thumb about how long we want to be thinking about prescribing before we see benefit? and how long we should continue the intervention? I think it goes back to what you're trying to achieve um, with the bacterial vaginosis and vulvovaginal candidiasis treatments. Those were four months, um, six months in one case. Sorry, I I don't mean months, I mean weeks. That should have been four weeks, which is one month. Um, But it also, if if the person's receiving a benefit and resolves earlier than that, that would be different than the clinical study. That'd be great. I, there was another study where they showed vaginal recovery of the probiotics in two weeks. So I think there are more, there's a little evidence to show that that could, it could happen earlier than the four weeks. Yes. And I, yeah. And, and you also just have to track the patient as, as a clinician, what's happening in this patient's life, what's happening um, with with you know bacterial vaginosis, with recurrent urinary tract infections, with yeast infection, what's going on there in order to determine what's the best treatment duration or dose. Okay, okay, but it doesn't look like we don't need to we don't need to start somebody on these and stay on them forever. Although the the chronic UTI protocol was a full year, which makes sense for anybody who's you know treating people with chronic UTIs. It's you know, it's something that you kind of settle into for the long haul. Um, Anything else that you want to add? Anything that I missed asking you? Any other, any other pearls? Well, if you're interested in more of the mechanisms behind um, how they work. Do share. (laughs) Yes. There are multiple mechanisms of action. Uh, For example, the GR1 probiotic can enhance anti-inflammatory IL-10 cytokine, as you know, and it's also... Uh, the, the combination showed in a preclinical model to reduce the 
translocation and infectivity of salmonella across the gut barrier. And um, other interesting pieces of research about their um, properties from the mechanistic perspective yeah. are um, these biosurfactants that seem to be produced and inhibiting the adhesion of gram-positive bacteria in particular, like the Staphylococcus, group B Streptococcus. Uh, there have been studies of this combination in pregnant women, yeah, and they've been deemed to be relatively safe, and one seemed to show a positive benefit for the group B streptococcus in particular. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, biofilms sometimes is a buzzword, um, but uh, th these have actually been shown in vitro to pull off or disrupt those biofilms, particularly candid candida biofilms, which is why they were chosen to be studied in the successful clinical study that we talked about for available vaginal candidiasis. Interesting. Geez, that's really, that's really cool. So these are considered safe in pregnancy as well and could, yes. could actually help. It could actually be a really potentially yes. important intervention. And I would say look out for more studies because I think there will be more studies in this area and and um, oh, another thing that might be just sort of randomly interesting, there was a reclassification of the lactobacillus mm -hmm. genus, and I don't know when it's going to hit all of the labels and the documentation. When people are looking for these probiotics, they'll probably still see them written as lactobacillus rhamnosus GR1 and lactobacillus ruteri RC14, which by the, name, by the way has had name changes in the past. Some of its mm -hmm. earlier studies were lactobacillus fermentum instead of lactobacillus oh. ruteri or C14. But lactobacillus, the genus, has had so much diversity that they had to look at actually splitting it up, and they split it up into 25 genera recently in 2020. Jeez. And that name change hasn't really hit uh, mainstream completely yet, but if you do see lactocaceae bacillus rhamnosus GR1, it's the same as what we've been talking about today, and mm -hmm. Lemosilactobacillus ruteri RC14 is the same as the RC14 we've been talking about today. Hmm. Well, I'm glad they're not going to change the, that's the substrain, that new, that the alphanumeric identifier. Yes, that's good that they're not changing that because that's helpful. And the other <laughs> helpful thing is all of the new genus names start with L still. So the okay. abbreviation L rhamnosis is, should be the same. Oh, will be the yes. same. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Gosh. Yeah. That. That's. It just gets. Yeah. That's. That can potentially become just a quagmire of confusion with these new name change. But it's just a complex. You know, the microbiome is complex. So I. I understand that nomenclature has to kind of evolve as our understanding um, increases. So I appreciate you teasing out some of the mechanisms. Those are really interesting. I like the anti-inflammatory effect and. Um, of course, the benefit in pregnancy. Uh, are these things used in gut health as well? Because you did mention translocation of, I think it was a, was it a strep strain? Yes. And, and that was GI, I'm assuming? Yes. So there was a study in inflammatory bowel disease with this combination, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and it did demonstrate a decrease in anti-inflammatory a decrease in inflammatory cytokines and uh, benefits from the immunomodulatory perspective. So Clinical benefits reported as well? 
I just saw a decrease in the levels of inflammatory markers for that study. Was it in humans? It was in humans, yes. Huh. Okay. All right. So potential place for GI health, but certainly the focus has been on um, the vaginal microbiome. And again, we can use it orally. We don't have to deliver it vaginally. Yes. An outcome is, is as good and perhaps perhaps better. Well, listen, Nicole, it was really nice chatting with you. I appreciate you bringing your knowledge and your commitment to this area, to New Frontiers. Uh, we'll, again, we'll harvest out all of the citations and you know any other goodies that we can get um, uh, from Noel and post them on our show notes page. Again, Dr. Patno, thank you for joining me on New Frontiers today. Thank you. It was a pleasure.